We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. If you're not going to be at Target Center tonight for Simone Augustus's return since her retirement after 14 years with the Lynx, a very emotional night coming up, uh, or at Target Field, maybe you want to be outside, we do have the NBA playoffs continuing tonight. And that brings me to my first guest this afternoon, Jace Frederick, Timberwolves beat writer for the Pioneer Press. Thanks for joining us here on WCCO. Hey, Sloan. Thanks for having me. I want to start off with last night. We know that Nuggets Suns is basically over. Uh, I love these stats and seeing them every single year that NBA teams are 0 and 142 all time <laughs> when down 03. When did you really believe in the Suns? Was it sometime this season or, or did you maybe expect them to get to this point? Because I don't know how many people maybe saw the franchise turning around this quickly. Yeah, no, I definitely didn't see them like on the brink of the Western Conference Finals. I think when they got Chris Paul, it was logical to assume that they would likely be a playoff team. Um, we saw what he did last year with OKC, the impact he can have on a young team, just how, how much he still has left in the tank. Like He's still one of the game's best point guards. And adding them to the mix with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and the young mix they have, it was like, okay, that's a playoff team for sure. Did I think they'd be a top-two seed? No. Um, did I think they would be a Western Conference Finals like going to be an entrant and potentially like the potential to get to the NBA finals, no chance. Uh, but it's just like Chris Paul has so much left in his tank and we see it year after year. He's a great playoff player as well. Devin Booker is having an incredible first postseason. Like sometimes we see that's a real adjustment for guys. Um, if you remember Carl Kenny Towns first playoffs in that series against Houston a couple yeah. of years ago, it didn't go very well. Um, and a lot of times it takes guys a playoff series or two to kind of learn how the playoffs are different and what you have to do differently. But Devin Booker has adapted really well. I give Chris Paul a lot of credit for that. And their role players have stepped up too, guys without much playoff experience. So I probably figured they would win this series because Denver, you know, doesn't have Jamal Murray and just maybe doesn't have the firepower, but not this convincingly. They, they are, they've exceeded all expectations, I guess, that I had set forth for them. I am mesmerized in watching Chris Paul. I mean, this is the way he weaves and distributes. Unreal 34 to 3 assist to turnover ratio for this series. And it personally makes me feel really good to see players who I watched early in <laughs> high school when I first started getting into the WM, uh, excuse me, the NBA be dominant and still play at this level. Is this just Chris Paul, like you were talking about, just like the magic we expect from him? Do you think this is a whole other level for even how he plays in the playoffs? Or do you think it really is his backcourt partner and Devin Booker who has helped Chris Paul himself? I think it's all those things. I think Chris Paul does have like a timeless game with just how smooth he is, how crafty he is. Like it wouldn't shock me at all. Like he wants to, I think reportedly just sign another max deal after this. And I think he could play well, well into it because he just kind of has that game that translates that 
carries over to when you get into your late thirties. Um, and he, he can still have it because like you can still out trick people, I guess. Um, just if you just know the little things to do, the little tricks of the trade and he can pull them off so seamlessly, whether that's with the officials, whether that's with the defenders, like he knows it all. Um, but how he's playing right now, the level he's playing at, I think having a backcourt mate like Booker, it takes a lot of pressure off Paul. Paul just kind of gets to pick his spots. And his teammates have played well, too. Like, Chris Paul is putting them in good spots, and they're coming through. So I think it's just a perfect mix of everything. But it's also cool. Like, this will be Chris Paul's just second trip ever to the Western Conference Finals. And it's cool to see him this late in his career kind of getting this shine and kind of a reminder of everybody. Like, do you remember how good Chris Paul is? This is how good he's been his entire career. He's just finally in a really good spot for him. Oh, yeah, that is really great to think about, like, playing for this long and and still having those opportunities. Um, I want to talk about Denver, too. And I hate to say this because if you ever listen to me do games, I have an unabashed post bias. And (laughs) seeing a center be MVP was just wonderful for me. But it's shocking, Jace, to see a I mean, it's just unreal. A, a 30-20-10 triple-double for Jokic in a double-digit loss. And I want to ask you, do you agree that it's it's just hard? And I know you talked about the impact of, of Murray's absence, but is it generally just hard in the NBA to win when you are primarily built around a star big man? I think so. It's It's just it's difficult to control the pace, to play at the tempo you want, to kind of set the tone. Because guards do that, um, and that's just the truth. Like in the past, when we've seen Denver have, no, certainly they beat Portland this year because, frankly, Portland doesn't have anybody who could even consider guarding Nikola Jokic or slowing him down or whatever. So, because of that, because of like the limited resistance that Portland can offer, then Jokic can kind of control the game for Denver in a series like that. But DeAndre Ayton is enough of a resistance, I guess. And frankly, Phoenix just has two elite guards, and we see in the playoffs all the time like guards dictate everything at this level, and. That's just kind of the case. Like we've seen in the past with Denver when they had their better playoff runs, Jamal Murray was playing really well. And frankly, at times, like taking over late down the stretch of games, it's so important. Elite guards, elite wings, they win in this league. They are so often the best players on the championship teams. And I really do think that comes down to like controlling the pace, controlling the tempo, um, being able to easily get them late game shots when it matters most without having to run too much, just kind of get them the ball, pick and roll, let them go. It's just so much simpler, and they can set things up for everyone else. Like, Denver does a great job running everything through Jokic, but it's just harder to do for whatever reason in the playoffs. I definitely agree with you, even though it hurts a little bit. Uh, (laughs) Hoping that there will not be a sweep in that series, certainly still a chance, but again, oh, 142. You can't really argue with that. Uh, Tonight we do have the Jazz and the Clippers, which LA is trailing to nothing for the second consecutive series. And I found this interesting. They've lost nine of their last 11 playoff games at Staples Center. So that's that's kind of an extended amount of time uh, to be picking up those losses. Now we saw the Clippers move to a zone that I think really helped them, especially in the second half against the Jazz in game two. And I want to ask you, Jace, is this series also going to be 3-0? I don't think so, right? Because the Clippers just have, like, we saw them, they have like a desperation mode that they showed in Dallas that I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we see that come out. I definitely would pick Utah to win this series. Um, certainly up 2-0, that's not the sturdiest. It's a pretty sturdy limb to stand on. But we see with Kawhi Leonard, like, the greatness he has, like, that game four, I think it was, or maybe it's game five. I think it was maybe game four against Dallas where he scored, like, 45 points, and it, and it just – that's kind of a mode he has. Like, 
Yeah. They're too good to go down 3-0. I don't think they'll win this series. They're kind of disjointed as a franchise, and we see it. And after they do eventually, I think, lose this series, there are going to be a lot of questions about whether Kawhi Leonard stays with the Clippers, whether this team as put together can work. But I do think that they'll kind of flip a switch of desperation, um, say, hey, we're not going to go down this easy. Let's, let's come back like we did last time. I think you can expect them to play really well tonight. But at the end of the day, I do just think Utah's a better team. Um, and it was astounding to watch them go zone because it's like, you have a couple of the best perimeter defenders in the league. It doesn't right. make any sense, but it, it did work out for them. So we'll see how much we see it tonight, if at all. This is maybe a little known fact for the people I know in Minnesota, but I actually grew up a Clippers fan, Jace. Like, wow. we're talking about the years of like, times, yeah, huh? I know. We're talking about the years of like Elton Brand and Katino Mobley and uh, Sam Cassell later on. Like, those were my Clippers. So even after all these years, I mean, close to a, what a decade now of like actually being a playoff team. I remember when they beat the Lakers. It was maybe oh five, oh six, or oh six, oh seven, and how good that felt. And it's just been, it's been interesting to see them transition into this like powerhouse team but it feels like every single year there is this when is it going to happen or they're still the clippers and do you think that i mean especially go if they potentially go down 3-0 is that going to be something that they will still just not escape from and and what is the challenge for them still at this point i don't know if like it's how everybody else is going to view it i don't think Kawhi leonard thinks at all about like oh this is the clippers and this is what we do like i just don't think that's in the players mindsets whatsoever um i do think you look at guys like paul george and he has questions about how he can perform in the playoffs frankly a lot of people now are looking at that toronto team and saying was that more mark gasol and kyle lowry and like they set things up really well for Mm. Kawhi leonard and people got hurt um for like the warriors when toronto took them down and I, i think people are looking at Kawhi leonard a little bit differently now too like maybe he isn't like the best player in the NBA or in that range that he was viewed at when he won in Toronto. I just, it just doesn't seem to work. Like these two great wings, it seemed like a great strategy heading into it, but like, I don't think they built their team. There's not enough in the post. Uh, they have a lot of different holes that weren't filled. And I think everybody just thought, well, okay, you take two top wings in the NBA and that's just going to work. But do they have enough shooting? Do they have enough interior presence? There are just a lot of weaknesses that kind of get exposed within a series with this team where what was thought to be like a slam dunk finals contender two years ago, and now it's like, well, they're pretty good and they can win any series, but you see so many flaws that get exposed over and over again. Uh, Jason, another question for you. Um, transitioning to the Wolves, not a whole lot going on for them at this point in the year. Uh, and I want to pose this to you. What would have to happen for the Wolves to be playing on June 12th 2022. That's looking at like NBA finals, Sloan, the next <laughs> year's schedule. Okay, that I probably should have thought about that before <laughs> I put that question out there. That's a good point. All right, let's say a miracle, second round. A miracle. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's easy enough to answer, I guess. Uh, finals is a miracle. Second round, um, I think they would definitely have to add probably a not only like a power forward, but maybe like a veteran, like veteran power forward who can like maybe be that interior defender, take some pressure off towns there, also be a three-point shooter. Anthony Edwards would have to take a massive leap forward, and I think play like an all-star level next season. And I don't want to rule that out, but he probably has to be the best player on the team if they're going to do that. Uh, Carl Hitty Towns and D'Angelo Russell will both have to play well, stay healthy, but also just support Anthony Edwards being the best player on the team. Uh, the bench they'll have to get more out of consistently. Like there's a lot of, there is like a, some slight path to where they can get to the playoffs and maybe be like a six seed and score a first round upset. 
but it really takes all those things falling into place. It takes D'Angelo Russell playing kind of the selfless basketball he played at the end of last year. It takes Carl Anthony Towns committing himself defensively, which he did at various points last year, but we saw a lot of slippage at times. It takes Anthony Edwards playing even better than he did on, down the stretch, which was a phenomenal level, but that's just maybe taking the second-year progression. So, like, there is a path, I think, and Chris Finch liked a lot of things he saw down the stretch. I think he did a pretty good job for his limited time span as a coach. So things are moving in a positive direction, but that would be, like, everything lining up just right for them to get to the point where they're a second-round team next year. All right. Uh, exciting offseason ahead, I'm sure, and a more normal offseason. I mean, what was it between the finals and the start of the year, like 70-something game or days? So feeling much better having a, kind of a normal offseason. Slightly shorter, but still somewhat normal. Jace Frederick with the Pioneer Press, Timberwolves beat writer. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Lynn. Appreciate it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.